Section 20 of Short Stories from Locomotive Engineers Journal, Volume 52. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Short Stories from Locomotive Engineers Journal, Volume 52, by Various. The Envelope of Fate, by Agnes G. Brogan. Miss Charlotte Blake took one glance at the long yellow envelope, thrice returned, then violently tossed it across the room. Charlie, Blake, she had been called at college, and the masculine name had clung, seeming to express better the girl's daring, adventurous spirit. Now that college was a thing of the past, occasional classmate meeting Miss Blake upon the street would continue to greet her as Charlie. So she had signed the familiar name to that fatal manuscript. Selfish animals, Charlie dubbed absent scenario readers in general. They won't even take time to read the thing through. Rescuing the discarded envelope, she hastily drew forth its contents. Just as I thought, she murmured disgustingly, the marker has not been disturbed. It was a good story. Charlie was sure of that. She had but to close her eyes to be thrilled in fancy by the last great scene of her play. She could picture the beautiful face of her favorite movie actress, raised appealingly to that of a villain. But how could one impress a stubborn scenario reader who refused to look at one's work? If I could make him read it, she thought desperately, and then Charlie jumped to her feet. I'll do it, she laughed back at her unreflected face as she pinned on her hat. I will take the play to the man myself. Her sudden elation vanished, as she waited in an anteroom for permission to be ushered into the busy man's presence. Also, with that enthusiasm, went some of her bright confidence. But one purpose still remained. Charlie would do her best to make the man read the thing through. Perhaps he would allow her to read it. She alone knew how to express the proper lights and shadings. You next, announced a grinning office boy and Miss Blake passed inside. The frowning scenario reader, seated before a typing machine, swung around forbiddingly. Good afternoon, he said, and waited. Charlie came forward. I am going to ask a few moments of your time, she began pleasantly, to present a photoplay of my own. The man glanced suggestively at a small clock. If you'll just leave it, he said, but his tone was less curt. Three times, she complained, you have sent it back unread. I know because of a secret marker. Suddenly, her own infectious smile dimpled Charlie's face. Now, she asked, how can I trust you? For the first time, the absent eyes of the scenario reader seemed to see the girl before him. Visibly, his frown faded in face of her contagious humor. Almost apologetically, he motioned toward a pile of unopened envelopes. All those to go through every day, he exclaimed. Sometimes we can't quite make it. On the top of the pile, Charlie placed her own offering. But you will at least read mine, she insisted. Please promise. The man's face lost its tired look, and an unexpected smile answered hers. He arose as she turned to leave. I promise, he said. Nor did the writer return immediately 
to his waiting task. With an unusual impulse, he walked to a window commanding a view of the street. Again, he smiled amusedly, as the girl's graceful figure could be seen emerging from the entrance of the building. Three times, muttered the man, and began a fumbling search through the first pile of envelopes on his desk. Better keep that promise now, if ever. And to Charlie, waiting in a fever of hopeful impatience, the promise seemed long delayed. At last, however, the postman came slowly up the steps, and she rushed to answer his ring. For a full moment, the rose color left the girl's eager face. A long yellow envelope was placed in her hand, and he had appeared so intelligent, that scenario reader, so kind. In the story's return, lay not all the man's perfidy, bread had again been sent back unread. The secret marker told the tale. Two very real and big tears overflowed the dark eyes and splashed upon her hands. Charlie viewed them contemptuously. I had so counted upon that reading, she murmured. Then she sighed resignedly and reached for her hat. A promise is a promise, she told herself decidedly, and if a man can't be trusted to keep one, he must be made to do it. If Charlie had been swinging along the campus instead of down a proper city street, she would have whistled cheerily in her undaunted courage. Now she smiled as she hurried along at thought of this persistent bearding of the scenario reader in his den. How would he greet her? For at the back of Charlie's brain was a strange assurance of not having been forgotten. When he had read her wonderful story, he would justify in his own mind her persistence. The whistles blowing out the noon hour reminded her apprehensively that the editor might leave at this time for lunch. A wait in his office would be discouraging. Charlie crushed on through the snow. Deep it lay all around her, great drifts, which the sweeper had not yet been able to remove. Then all at once, in her headlong rush, Charlie collided with a masculine figure. She had one startled glimpse of the man's hand reaching frantically for his dislodged eyeglasses, and another glimpse of those same glasses disappearing with a mysterious finality into a drift of wayward snow. Blinking dazedly, her victim turned upon her. I, I beg your pardon, he stammered. Could you locate my glasses, which have just fallen? I am as blind as a bat without them. Charlie blinked, too, for the victim turned out most surprisingly to be that difficult, stubborn reader of plays. It was evident in his present predicament that the man had not recognized her. I will be grateful, he went on more easily, if you can find them for me. Charlie looked over the road, with its rushing autos and crowded traffic, which the man evidently intended to cross. Then she made her sudden resolve. I could get them for you, she answered slowly. I distinctly saw where they fell. The glasses went directly to the bottom of the drift without leaving a sign above. Will you? asked the man. He waited perplexedly. Or perhaps, he continued, as she made no response, one of the men about might shovel through the drift. Miss Blake shook her head. They would be sure to break the glasses, she said. I couldn't risk that, grumbled the man. I'm in a de excuse me, very great hurry. Most important work must be done before I could have time to look up new glasses. Reading work. 
he exclaimed conclusively. I know, Charlie replied. You are a judge of photoplays. I called about one of mine, which you had returned three times. You gave your promise to read it. She paused impressively and again sent it back unread. The man peered closely into her face. I thought I recalled your voice, he said. You are Miss Blake, answered the girl. He shook his head despairingly. If I could only see you, but I remember the circumstance now. Your manuscript was not to be found when I searched among the papers. It was regrettable. Hastily, Charlie drew the offending yellow envelope from her muff. It's here now, she suggested. And I can't see, complained the man. If you could, she asked him. I'd read it first thing I get back to the office, he told her. Then standing there between the great drifts of snow, they looked at each other and laughed. Instantly, Charlie was down upon her knee, one cloak arm thrust to the shoulder into the icy depths. A moment more, and she held up to him, gleaming intact the valued glasses. Through them presently, his own twinkling eyes answered the challenge of hers. The manuscript, please, he requested crisply. A moment longer, he waited to glance at the title page, her neatly typed signature. Charlie Blake, he questioned. It was the name the girls gave me at school, she explained. I used it in preference to Charlotte. Understanding flashed across the man's face. So that was why I could not locate the manuscript, he said. I was looking for a more ladylike gnome de plume. Not knowing it to be yours, it was set back unread. Will you forgive me? Suddenly he held out his hand. And accept my grateful thanks for your service? It was I who knocked your glasses off, Charlie reminded him. You saved my life, the man insisted. Why, I have a scenario to get out before two. It was she now who stood watching his departure. Had his own heroes upon the screen, she wondered, as fine and straight a figure as true and frank a face? Charlie was glad as she walked thoughtfully homeward that he had not broken his promise after all. And a reminiscent smile lingered upon the man's face as the elevator bore him upward. You're late, said Billy the office boy. The scenario writer still smiled. Yes, he replied, I met with a hold-up. A few days later, his letter came to her. The play might be acceptable, he announced noncommittally, with the making of a few changes. Would she come down some morning at ten to go over the manuscript with him? Together they might agree upon what should be done. Charlie was disposed to resent the changing in any way of her wonderful work. She had hoped he would be agreeably surprised at the originality of her idea. But, though a man so very difficult to please, the thought of hearing his deep, laughing voice was far from unpleasant. Charlie's eyes brightened in anticipation as Billy admitted her to the presence. Business was laid away so completely for the hour which followed that she was sure hers must be a most important piece of work. Even he commended the great idea. It worked out a little differently. And leaving the office earlier than usual that morning, the scenario editor walked with the girl to her door. Many conferences were necessary for the completion of the plan.
though when Charlie was alone, she realized vaguely that she really knew little about it all, or just what needed changes would be. Patiently, she awaited the play's presentation. Though that great triumph now seemed lost in the newfound joy of the present, truly the yellow envelope itself had been an instrument of fate in leading her to the man's presence. Even the eyeglasses tossed into the snow had played their part in fate's golden chain. Perhaps her ability as a writer had first gained his interest. Charlie could not tell. But she was henceforth determined to show him to what heights she could aspire. Playwriting would be her career. And he? Between hope and despair, the man worked over other imaginary love affairs. While Charlie's willful haunting face laughed at him from the pages, so completely she dominated him, and after the play had been produced, would he dare to ask the one question which trembled constantly upon his lips when she was near? For the play was so palpably not her own, enlarged, built upon in every way to be made possible. Charlie's poor little idea had been lost in the process. This play was her world, or so he thought. Would she ever forgive him? And at last, came the eventful night of its production. Seated by the side of the man who was responsible for her triumph, Charlie watched the unfamiliar scenes in breathless interest and found it no triumph at all. This was not her play. These people portraying their parts, not the cherished people of her imagination. In silent trepidation, her companion regarded her disappointed face. When they left the little theater, Charlie spoke. I suppose, she said quietly, that you consider my work a failure. But I shall write and devote myself to writing until I prove your opinion wrong. Impassionate entreaty, the words long withheld, fell from the man's lips. Oh, I love you, love you, he said. Care for me a little. Give yourself to me. Let me work. Let me write for both of us. Resolutely, the girl turned aside. I must succeed in my career, she answered coldly. During the days which followed, Billy watched his employer anxiously. The boss is dopey, he remarked. For long moments, the scenario editor would sit with unseeing eyes fixed upon space, his temper becoming annoyingly uncertain. Then, one never-to-be-forgotten, sunshiny morning, a long-absent visitor stepped from the elevator. Is he in? she asked the boy. Sure, Miss Blake, answered Billy. Unannounced, Charlie entered the office. Half unbelieving, the man arose from his chair. I have come, she began. To take back what you said, the man interrupted. Tell me, Charlie dearest, that you will give up your writings, your success, for my sake. No, answered the girl. Not quite that, I think she laughed softly. But as it seems, you only can make my writing successful. Why, don't you see I must have you? Billy, looking into the room, very discreetly closed the door. Better not go in, he advised a would-be visitor. Boss is busy, directing one of them sure thing love scenes. End of section 20, The Envelope of Fate.